The Lord be with you. I want to teach you to memorize a verse of the Bible today. And the verse I want to teach you, it's short, so don't worry. Yeah. The verse I want to teach you to memorize is Romans 9.2. We heard it today, and it goes like this. So repeat after me, all right? I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. So let's put, let's put all that together. I'll say it all, and then you say it back. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. All right, so I know it's not as uh, inspiring as John 3.16. It's not as uplifting as this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But Romans 9.2 is sometimes the most honest verse. The most honest verse when what we have is grief. And I will say it is hard to be honest about grief. It's hard to be honest when we've suffered a loss, be it the loss of a job or the death of a loved one, the end of a relationship or the breaking down of our body. In those moments, we feel grief. And like Paul, we have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in our hearts. But it's hard to be honest about that. And so often what we do is we plaster over that grief with a smile and we tell people, oh, we're doing okay. And then we go sneak off by ourselves and just sit alone in our sorrow. And that's what Jesus does today in the gospel. I know you might have been distracted by the miracle, the multiplying of loaves and fishes, but it starts off when Jesus hears the news that John the Baptist has been killed, that John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, who was the man who baptized Jesus, who was the man through whose ministry Jesus heard God say to him, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This John has just been killed. And not just killed, he's been executed for carrying out the calling which God has given him. And when Jesus hears this news, what Jesus does is he withdraws. It literally says that he withdrew and got in a boat and went by himself to a deserted place. Jesus wants to be alone in this time of his grief. And maybe the reason we want to be alone in our grief is because we think to ourselves, well, what good is it to be with other people? It's not like they're going to give me what I lost, so what can they do for me? Or maybe the reason we want to be alone in our grief is is because we've already lost so much. We have nothing left to give to anyone else. We are empty. And so we can't even pretend to offer the people around us something from our hearts. And maybe that's why Jesus' disciples also do what they do. Because the truth is, it's not just Jesus who knew John the Baptist and loved him. At least two of Jesus' disciples started off as disciples of John the Baptist. And so perhaps they too are grieving. Perhaps they too want to be alone. And perhaps that is why 
When the crowds have gathered around Jesus and the disciples, the disciples say to Jesus, send them away. This is a deserted place. Send them into the villages that they might buy food for themselves because the disciples, they don't have anything left to give. Not just in food, but in their hearts. They are running on empty. And so they can't deal with these crowds right now. They want to take what they have and just keep it for themselves. They have five loaves and two fishes, and they know it's not going to feed the 5,000 plus. It'll barely feed them if they just go home and share it carefully amongst themselves. Maybe it'll be enough to get them through the night. And I think often that's what we do with our grief, with the loss of someone or something that we love. We say to ourselves, well, I've only got these little bits and pieces of that love left. And I don't have the energy to share it with anyone else, so I'm just going to retreat and withdraw like Jesus did. I'm going to withdraw and be by myself, and I'm going to savor those last few pieces of what I loved until they're gone. And they will be gone. Because just like those five loaves and two fishes, if the disciples had gone home by themselves and just eaten it among themselves, that food would disappear. And there would be nothing left, and that is the truth with our love, also in our grief. If we hold on to those scraps and do not share them, they wither and fade until we truly have nothing. But when the disciples tell Jesus they have nothing, Jesus says, give it to me. Jesus asks the disciples to give him their nothingness and the five loaves and two fishes. He asks them to give him the scraps and the crumbs that they have in their pockets. He asks them to give him their hearts, which they say have nothing left in them. And then Jesus takes what the disciples give him and he blesses it. And then he breaks it. Jesus breaks what the disciples give him because earlier on that same day when Jesus himself had withdrawn to a deserted place by himself, the crowds follow him. They don't let Jesus be alone the way he wants to be in his grief. They show up. And it says when Jesus sees those crowds, he has compassion on them. And the Greek word that it's translated compassion is splachnizdomai. Splachnizdomai. You don't need to remember that word. I, I just want you to know that I know that word. And what that word means literally in Greek is that Jesus' insides were twisted. That's literally what it says, that he saw the crowds and his insides were twisted. And Jesus, having gone to be alone by himself, thinking that he is running on empty, that he has nothing left, when his insides are twisted, when his heart is ringed out, what comes out of the grieving heart is an outpouring of miracles. Because you see, what happens is we feel the grief of pain, of loss, and we think to ourselves, we are hurting, but we're not sure why we are hurting. I don't know if this has ever happened to you where 
Sometimes your stomach hurts and you think to yourself, oh man, is it because I haven't eaten enough and so my stomach hurts because I'm hungry? Or is it because I ate too much and now my stomach's full and that's why I'm hurting and so I don't know whether I need to eat more or not eat at all. That ever happens to me. I don't know if that happens to you. Okay, some other people are not eating. I'm not, I'm not losing it over here. But the same thing is true with our grief. In our grief, we feel this pain in our hearts and we think to ourselves, well, maybe it's because our heart is now empty. We've lost so much. We feel that pain inside us. But the truth is, that grief that we feel is not that our heart is empty. It's that it's full. It is too full. That is what grief is. It is the abundance of love for the thing that we have lost that is in our heart and we don't know what to do with it because that love used to have a person, used to have a place, used to have a relationship where we can put it and that person, that place, that relationship is gone and that love is still there and it hurts because it's trying to get out. Which is why when Jesus rings his heart when he twists his insides. What pours out is the power of love and the people that he sees and has compassion on, they are healed by the outpouring of his grieving heart. You see, a heart that is grieving, when it's placed in the hands of Christ, Christ breaks that heart. And out of it pours the power of love. Out of it pours the abundance of God's blessing, which Jesus gives back to us that we might give to others. That's what Jesus does to the disciples. He says, they don't need to go away. You feed these crowds. And the disciples say, we have nothing but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, give them here to me. Jesus takes what the disciples have given him, their scraps and their crumbs and their hearts, which they think have nothing, and he blesses them and he breaks them. Because you see, those disciples, they are grieving John the Baptist, and one of the things John clearly taught before he died was, if you have an extra coat and you see someone who doesn't, well, give them your extra coat. And he followed it up by saying, if you have food and you see someone who doesn't, give them your food. And so Jesus says, you're grieving John. It's because your love for John is still in your heart. Do with your love what John would have wanted to do. Give the food that you have to the people who don't. And the disciples say, but there's not enough. Jesus doesn't care. It's not about if there's enough. It's about getting the love out of your heart to where it needs to go. And so Jesus invites the disciples to do the impossible, to take the five loaves and two fishes and feed more than 5,000. And in doing so, he breaks not just the bread, he breaks their heart. And he gives it back in pieces. But those pieces of a broken heart pour out the power of love and when it is shared it becomes an abundance that feeds more than 5,000 with such satisfaction that there are 12 baskets left over a basket for every single one of those disciples to hold something tangible that they can put in their hands to say we thought What we had loved was gone, had died, was lost in this world, but in Christ it is alive and I can hold it in my hands still. 
Paul writes, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Paul has that grief in his heart because he loves Jesus. He loves the grace and unconditional love of God that Jesus has given him. And Paul also loves his fellow Jewish people. He is one of them. He knows that God loves them too, that God has poured out blessing after blessing on the Jewish people. But he is grieving because for some reason, the majority of his fellow Jews don't seem interested in knowing Jesus. And so Paul is grieving. There is great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart. And Paul doesn't know what to do with it other than to give it to Jesus. He says he would gladly be cut off and condemned for the sake of his fellow countrymen. He wants Jesus to break him because he knows that by himself with what he has, he can't go on with this pain that he feels. But in the hands of Jesus, a grieving heart that is broken becomes a blessing to be poured out and shared with the world. And so that's what Paul does. He gives his heart to Jesus, and Jesus breaks it and gives it back to Paul and says, Paul, go share it. And Paul does. Paul has nothing but a broken heart and a willingness to travel, but from those two things, Paul travels 10,000 miles in the course of 30 years. 10,000 miles mostly on foot, occasionally in a boat that usually wrecks. He travels 10,000 miles because he loves Jesus and he wants everyone to know that love for Jesus and his heart is broken because there are people who do not. And when he goes and tells people about Jesus' love, he finds people with whom he has nothing in common, Greeks, Romans, Celts, and he discovers that these unexpected people can receive God's love because it's not that they have chosen Jesus, but Jesus has chosen them and he holds in his hands something tangible. Baskets of people who have been swept up in the good news of Jesus and holding those baskets of good news, he can believe that even though it feels like his countrymen don't know Jesus, that They've abandoned him, that Jesus has not abandoned them. Because what he loves is alive in Christ and will be forever. And so it is with us here at Faith Lutheran. Faith Lutheran Church exists because of the grief in our hearts. Faith Lutheran exists because our hearts grieve. That in this world there is so much division among God's children. Our hearts grieve. That generations don't connect in our society. Our hearts grieve that political divisions run deeper than family ties. Our hearts grieve that in our culture you need a reason to be real with someone, but any excuse will do to stand apart from them. It can be the color of their skin, how much money they have, it can be who they love. Our hearts grieve because of this. But that grief is because of the deep love that we have, the love that comes from God, the love that we know unites all people into one in Christ Jesus. And so we gather as a church to offer, to offer up our time, 
to offer up our money, but most of all to offer up our hearts and put them in Jesus' hands so that he can bless them and then he can break them and he can give it back to us so we can take those pieces and we can share them with the world and together discover the abundance that comes from sharing our lives. So that together we can hold in our hands a tangible reality of the thing that which we love, the people of God gathered in one place, united as Christ's children. And so, my friends, when the words of Romans 9-2 are true for you, and I want you to repeat them with me, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. When those words are true for you and you are tempted to withdraw to a deserted place by yourself, to sit alone in your sorrow, to hold on to the scraps of love for the thing that you have lost until they wither away, I want you to remember that the Bible gives you words to give truth to what is in your heart in that moment, which is not emptiness. What you have in that moment is not nothing. What you have in that moment is a heart that is grieving because it is full of love. And so in that moment, give your heart to Jesus. Let him break it. Let him give it back to you blessed. Because a grieving heart broken in the hands of Christ becomes a blessing to be shared, to be poured out on this world with the power of love. May we create with our broken hearts such abundance as we can't imagine. Amen.